This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Entertainment, music, pop culture, LGBT plus news. Let's go there. Start now. What's up? Happy Tuesday. This is Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan, where we catch you up on the news of the day, pop culture, and of course, some fun music in between right here on Channel Q. Yes, yes. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another beautiful day, another beautiful show. Hopefully, it's beautiful in your neck of the woods. You know, it's bright and sunny here in Los Angeles. It is. I'm feeling it on my burn, even though I'm wearing many. Um, still can't believe that you are that sunburned. You look d- not disgusting. almost <laughs> Like a lobster. <laughs> you look so bad. It's not good. But your face looks beautiful. I know. At least this is. But this is what gets weird. You know, typically, if you're, you take care of yourself and yeah. your face, you take care of your face and then you forget the rest of your body. And that's when you see, when you get older, like people whose faces are put together for the rest of their body, you can kind of see the age. And I'm aware of this as I get older. But then, including when you're in the sun, be careful. Put sunscreen everywhere, please, because you don't want to be like me. Yeah, I mean, my thing is you learn about sunscreen when you're very young. I don't know what happened. I don't know either. The thing is, I literally went for a jog and then just sat on the beach for an hour. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I'm just telling you, it's all about climate change. It's I don't think it is. I don't think your sunburn is about climate, climate change. change. You can't do that. You cannot do that. Yeah, the sun is stronger than ever before. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's uncomfortable. It was stinging. I have aloe right next to my bed. And so, and, and now I won't be able to wear a cute dress I was going to wear at a dinner tomorrow night. Well, we can talk about someone who's very cute that's going to be on the show today. We have two cute people. Mm-hmm. Hola, Poppy. John Paul Brammer is here to yes, talk yes, about yes, yes, yes. his new book at 3.35 p.m. Pacific, 6.35 p.m. Eastern. He is like the ultimate advice columnist for the queers. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why when you said queers, it just felt so harsh when you said it. It honestly <laughs> felt like gays. you were just like calling me out of. <laughs> I was like, wow. Is it triggering? It felt like a slur. Yeah, for maybe. A minute. Right. I'm, I'm going to slow that down. <laughs> and uh, country singer Brooke Eden joins us. Who I think she's our first country star on the show. Yes, and she's also a member of the community. I'm not going to say the cute word. <laughs> she's a lesbian. <laughs> yes. And she, oh my gosh, she just got engaged. I'm so excited to talk to her. I love her. Yes. She's uh, talented and beautiful. 4.35 p.m. Pacific, 7.35 p.m. Eastern for that. But right now, let's get into some what's trending this hour. A large majority of Americans now support marriage equality. Thank goodness. That's the latest poll from Gallup. It shows a 10% surge in support since 2015. So I guess we've come a long way in five years. And guess what? Even a majority of Republicans now support same-sex marriage. The numbers are over 70% of Americans support 
marriage equality, which is, yeah, that's great. It's still 30%. Who are you, 30? <laughs> like, you right? know who the 30 are. I know. Uh, and that includes 55% of Republicans, 83% of Democrats. Again, 83% of Democrats? And to be honest, this means nothing, in my opinion, because these are the same people who will sit around being like, yeah, we're fine with you if you get married, but also go against every other right that you deserve to have well, as a human yeah. being. So that percentage means absolutely squat for me, especially um, because it's, it's still considered the bare minimum. And we've been able to get married for years at this point, so I don't really care what they think about that. And the hope is that those folks who um, didn't get marriage equality five years ago, unfortunately, and even now, like, you know, hopefully when we talk about trans rights, trans policies, they will understand that too. It's like people are just slow and bad people. Slow and bad people. To get to Very good. Real, I mean, I don't Shira, know. I'm just trying was to that be your like, Martin Luther King, I have a dream speech? You guys are slow and bad. You gotta be good or else you're going to the bad place. Wow. Who wrote that speech? That was what's trending this hour. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so let's talk about uh, this celebrity who is considering running uh, for office. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now actor turned I've never heard you do a clap yes (laughs) I don't know why I did (laughs) I just feel like I had to reset myself actor turned activist Alyssa Milano may seek to transition from Hollywood to the house she says um, she's considering a congressional run in 2024 In a Tuesday interview, um, basically, she says she's looking at potentially running against Republican Representative Tom McClintock and unseating him in California's 4th District. She said, I split my time between uh, Truckee, California and Bill Canyon, California, and the Republicans have basically had a strong arm there in the 4th District. I would love to maybe consider flipping that seat blue. Mm. That district hasn't elected a Democratic representative since 1993 and went for Trump in the 2020 uh, presidential election. And of course, um, Alyssa basically says she won't likely make her decision until after the 2022 midterms when she'll have a better idea of her like work schedule and what that looks like. I don't know, Alyssa. Um, I, yeah, you're a great Twitter activist, but like... <laughs> Time to elevate the game. Not really. I don't know why people feel like just because they tweet some things and they're outspoken, that means that they can go down this road of being in politics. I gotta start somewhere. I haven't witnessed one celebrity that did a good job at it. I feel like there probably is if we live. I mean, a lot of... um, uh, Ronald Reagan was an actor before he became who he was. We have discussions about that. Anyway, that's your tea report. I got more stories coming up this show and next hour. So, honey, you better stick around. Okay, now coming up on the show, a new probe that reveals a pro-Trump site was part of instigating the Capitol riot. Those details and more next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. A bipartisan probe led by two Senate committees has found that U.S. Capitol Police and other authorities knew more ahead of the January 6th attack than previously documented. And back with us to tell us more about what's happening is Fox News contributor Richard Fowler. Thanks for joining us as always. It's good to be with you both. How are you? Great. You know, this is the topic on our minds right now. Was this a big deal? What new info was uncovered? 
So we learned a couple things, right? One, I think we know that we need an actual bipartisan commission, similar to the 9-11 commission, to actually investigate what actually happened, what were the root causes of this insurrection that took place at the Capitol on January 6th. Now, this is something that Republicans have been adamantly against um, because they know that it will point to the fact that Donald Trump actually incited this riot, but it's also this insurrection. But it's also important that we have this commission so we know a report can be put out um, that is actually bipartisan. Uh, and we can use this report as a Bible to ensure that this never happens again, similar to how we've utilized the 9-11 Commission report as a Bible to ensure a terrorist attack, similar to the one like 9-11, never happens again on U.S. soil. Right. I mean, it's it's really interesting. And a lot of this stuff is so damning. I mean, one comment read in part of this report that said, this is do or die, bring your guns. And I can't help but think about how Republicans at one point during this recently were trying to flip this as, no, it wasn't an insurrection. It was just, you know, uh, one Republican said, oh, it was, it was kind of like a, a your average visitation to the Capitol. And so how do you think Republicans are going to move forward now that this information is out? Oh, I think you're going to see the same behavior from Republicans. They're going to try to do everything in their power to create some sort of revisionist history about what actually took place at the Capitol, even though most Americans are watching it happen on live television. And many of the Republicans who are actually saying that, these, you know, it was just, you know, people, tourists going through were scared for their lives, as we see from video footage, right? People were running. They were, you know, running for safety. The Capitol, the Capitol Police, as well as Metropolitan Police, were helping members of Congress. Members of Congress were barricaded in their office trying to protect themselves from capital in, from capital insurrectionists who were egged on and led on by the president at a rally that happened just minutes before they invaded the Capitol, where he told he told them that they should, quote unquote, stop the steal, even though there is no and continues to be no evidence of voter fraud uh, in this in the 2020 election. Um, or any evidence that shows that, you know, the election was rigged against president, former President Donald Trump. Yeah. And also, this is very uh, concerning. They talked about this pro-Trump website that included comments about the Capitol's tunnel system, encouraged demonstrators to bring weapons, saying uh, one commenter said, this is do or die, bring your guns. Um, they also had actual like kind of guidelines of what they were going to do um, saying that they should surround every building with a tunnel entrance or exit be prepared to drag down police that they could enter the Capitol as the third continental Congress and certify the Trump electors referring to an alliance of militia groups so I guess how does this um, change the way we look at what happened and who's accountable well, you know, that's the whole point. I mean, I think what, we, what we've lacked here is accountability. Yes, there's been over 400 members um, of this sort of insurrectionist mob that have been arrested. But once again, the folks that incited this mob have not been brought to justice, right? There has not been an investigation to how culpable the president is, how culpable some members of Congress, members of Congress are, including, you know, Senator Josh Hawley, um, Senator Ted Cruz, Representative Mo Brooks. Um, and along with a couple of other members of Congress who egged folks on, they gave guided tours. And this is all information that we would find out if there was a bipartisan commission that was allowed to ask the tough questions and actually subpoena some members of Congress who engaged in conversation with the president, including Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. But, Richard, do you really think at this point in where we're at politically that bipartisanship really exists anymore? It feels like <laughs> Republicans are just going to do what they're going to do. I mean, we're seeing, uh, what's his name, Manchin? Is that his name? 
Yes. Yeah. In West Virginia. It just feels like. You know, Manchin, it just feels like he's more of a Republican than a Democrat. And it just, there's just so much happening where this conversation about bipartisanship really has me questioning if it even exists anymore. I mean, I think that, I think there's a lot of Americans questioning whether or not bipartisanship exists. And I think you have a president that's willing to work with Republicans to get things done. And you have a Republican party that just seems unwilling to work with anybody. And they seem to be sticks in the mud when it comes to so many issues that they agreed with two years ago when Donald Trump was talking about them leading among those being infrastructure. Uh, you know, by, Joe Biden team is a very, is a, is, as a, both as a senator and as a vice president, was somebody who was committed to infrastructure. Um, he continues to be committed to infrastructure. He continues to work with Representative um, Congress, excuse me, Senator Shelley Moore Capito from West Virginia on infrastructure. But once again, Republicans refuse to cough up a pay for. Um, and, and, you know, we'll have to see how those conversations continue to move. But once again, you know, is there bipartisanship? We're going to have to wait to see. But it's going to be on Republicans to say, yes, we're willing to work with this president, or two, we're going to obstruct everything this president does. Yeah, so just 10 seconds. Where do we go from here, like, after this? Uh, listen, it's anybody's game, but I think this comes down to the American people. We, have an ele- we are a year away from an election, um, and so we'll have to see how the American people decide to vote. Will they vote to put more Democrats in office or will they continue to vote for a divided government? In 2020, what the American people gave us was just that, a government that is indeed divided. While Democrats do have the majority in all to both chambers, those majorities are very slim. Mm-hmm. All right. We've been chatting with Fox News contributor Richard Fowler, and he's sticking around with us uh, because after this, we're going to talk about VP Kamala Harris and how she's trying to handle the crisis at the border. But should she really have told Guatemalans and basically the international community don't come to the u.s we'll be back with that next let's go there with shira and ryan channel q vp kamala harris was visiting guatemala president alejandro jamate yesterday and shared uh, this during a press conference you might have heard this already but we thought we'd remind you i want to be clear to folks in this region who are thinking about making that dangerous trek to the united states mexico border Do not come. Do not come. The United States will continue to enforce our laws and secure our border. There are legal methods by which migration can and should occur. We, as one of our priorities, will discourage illegal migration. Yeah, that did not rub everyone the right way, including AOC, who tweeted that Harris's comments were disappointing to see. And she added this on uh, Twitter. First, seeking asylum at any U.S. border is a 100 percent legal method of arrival. Back with us is Fox News contributor Richard Fowler. So, Richard, what did you think about this approach and now how um, the responses are to all of this? Well, listen, I think that, you know, as a sitting vice president of the United States, understanding that it is illegal to cross our southern border, that this was the right thing for the vice president to say. Uh, understanding that if you are trying to seek political or economic asylum in the United States, the place to do that is at the United States Embassy in the respective country of origin where you are trying, where you are coming from. Uh, so I think she was right to say that. With that being said, I do believe that now more than ever, it's time for the United States Congress to modernize our immigration laws because right now america's immigration laws are a patchwork of laws that were written in the 1960s and 1970s 1980s that are being held together with some gorilla glue and duct tape so we do need to modernize our laws 
But I think it's important to remember that it's the job of the vice president of the United States to uphold the laws that are currently written, which says it is illegal to cross our southern border. Yeah, but this is um, another example of the party being at conflict inside, right? I, I think no one's on the same page here. It's kind of one of those things where I understand that Kamala Harris has been doing this for a very long time. Vice President Kamala Harris has been doing this for a very long time, and AOC is still very new to the political game. But how do we see the you know, Democratic Party become on one page and also progress as well? Because I have to agree with AOC. Well, look, I think in the second part, there's a, a, a secondary tweet to AOC's tweets where she talks about just what I what I just said. Right. That like we've got it. This is not necessarily about Kamala Harris saying the wrong things. There's a larger problem about the fact that American policy for decades has destabilized the northern triangle countries. And so you can't look at what Kamala Harris said in a vacuum. But it's also worth pointing out the ideal of people packing up everything they own and walking thousands of miles to the United States southern border with an uncertain future is not the way to go about um, a modern immigration system in 2021 when there are things like computers and there are other ways to do it than the ideal of sort of walking to the border or paying smugglers to take you across Mm, the border, understanding that many of the folks who come to our southern border end up either being smuggled in, they either end up dying through the process, they end up being sexually assaulted for a lot of women. And so there's a very, this is a very, very, very tough and arduous journey for many folks who are seeking to breathe the free air and the economic freedom that exists in the United States. Yeah, I feel like the Trump administration was called out for their lack of empathy and hands-off approach. But yet with this statement and then the fact that she's not even going to be visiting the border that she's working on, is this really the right strategy well, I think it's fundamental. It's absolutely the right strategy. If you spend all your time focused on the southern border, then you're only dealing with the symptoms and not the disease, mm. right? Because here's the, when people leave Guatemala, Honduras, or Ecuador, they're leaving, or El Salvador, rather, they're leaving these countries because of a root cause problem. And so what the, what the Biden-Harris administration is trying to do is zero in on what are the problems in these countries? How can, if we're already sending foreign aid to the Northern Triangle countries, How can we send that aid in a more targeted way to deal with those issues instead of just focusing on how do we fortify our southern border? Because fortifying the southern border doesn't stop people from coming to the southern border. Dealing with the issues that are happening in their respective countries can deter them from coming to the southern border because we make their living conditions in their home countries better for them. And so I think that's what the Biden administration uh, and, and Kamala Harris is really focused on. Right. If we we could spend all the time, we spent four years of the Trump administration squarely focused on fortifying the border and dealing with issues at the border. And we spent zero time, right? D- Donald Trump didn't ma- made no visits to any of the Northern Triangle countries. Mike Pence made no visits to any of the Northern Triangle countries. And today, guess what? We still have a crisis on our southern border. And so yeah. what the Biden administration is trying to do is deal with the root cause of the problem instead of just the symptoms. This is what shows up at our southern border. Well, do you see them actually getting this done in this in this term, the Biden-Harris administration? Do you see them actually pushing it forward and making some actual tangible change, or is it going to just be too much and it's uh, going to be the same cycle? I don't think the executive branch can get anything done by themselves. I think they're going to try and attempt to do everything they can within the executive branch's powers to get things done. But I think this is also going to require some real action from Congress, right? We're going to have to have a conversation, one, on how we deal with the 11 million Americans that are, excuse me, the 11 million undocumented folks who live in this country 
who are living in the shadows, number one. And number two, how do we modernize our immigration system and understand that we can't live in the realm of talking points, which is where we currently live? AOC versus the likes of Ted Cruz, when we all know the truth and the answers lie somewhere in the middle, Mm. right? It's not instant amnesty or opening up the borders to everybody. What we actually need is a secure southern border, but we actually have to have an immigration system that allows folks to seek political and economic asylum fairly and equitably from their home country, whether that home, their home country is El Salvador, whether their home country is Guatemala, or whether their home country is Haiti. Well, that was Fox News contributor Richard Fowler. Thanks for being here. It's good to be with you both. Have a great rest of your day. Now coming up, what we learned from Anderson Cooper's one-on-one interview with Obama. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on. Podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Panel Q. Anderson Cooper had an an exclusive one-on-one interview with former President Barack Obama, and everyone is talking about it. Obama discussed his recent memoir, A Promised Land, and basically also used the time, not surprisingly, to bash Republicans for what he felt was a lack of of holding his successor, former President Trump, accountable. He actually also said he didn't imagine the Republican Party getting this dark. Uh, It it seems like it's uh, it's getting pretty dark. So here is uh, that moment where he uh, talks about, you know, what has happened and his... Uh, We did not see that Republican establishment say, hold on, time out, that's not acceptable, that's not who we are, but rather be cowed into accepting it. And then finally culminating in uh, January 6th, where what originally was, oh, don't worry, uh, this isn't going anywhere, we're just letting Trump and others vent. And then suddenly you now have large portions of an elected Congress going along with uh, the falsehood that uh, there were problems with the election. Yeah, basically, he's like, this is when it got weird. And yeah, best of luck, Republican Party. (laughs) My favorite thing about this interview was his comments on cancel culture. Here's that. A lot of the dangers of cancel culture and, you know, we're just going to be condemning people all the time at least among my daughters, that they'll acknowledge that sometimes among uh, their peer group or in college campuses, you know, you'll see folks going overboard. Mm. But they have a pretty good sense of, of look, um, we don't want, we don't expect everybody to be perfect. We don't expect everybody to be politically correct all the time, but we are gonna call out 
institutions or individuals if they um, are being cruel, if they are you know, discriminating against people. We do want to raise awareness. Yeah, so my thing about his yeah. comments, um, I think there's this interesting thing, and I feel like we talk about this all the time, but I feel like people cherry pick what cancel culture actually is. And it's irritating to me where it feels like there's this moment, especially I, I made a comment about this online because I feel like there's t television shows that tackle cancel culture, and it sometimes feels like it diverts away or negates the importance of cancel culture in the sense of accountability and making sure that people who are doing wrong don't have the opportunity to do it again because they've been called out for it and they have to face the consequences. And so I, I think it's not about, oh, it's, oh, you just don't agree with me. I feel like Republicans try to weaponize cancel culture in that yeah. way. Um, but there's some serious and, and I think important things about quote unquote cancer culture that honestly needs to stay because if they don't then we'll be stuck in these same systems people will continue to do the same things and we will never evolve yeah it's been around forever it's called calling people out it just we haven't had the opportunity at this level to do it right and have the platforms to do it and so yeah this this idea like ah oh, we're just gonna put a blanket statement around holding people accountable and then say that it's 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 wrong. It should be questioned at every point. Yeah, it's not understanding the purpose of it. Uh, so check out the interview. It's on CNN with Anderson Cooper. Let us know what you think. At LGT Show is where you can find us on social media. Coming up, why Jane Fonda is calling out President Biden. That and more next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, coming up this hour of the show, we've got special guests. But this hour, we have Ola Poppy joining us, a popular LGBTQ advice columnist and writer John Paul Brammer, who has a new book out, and he is so funny. Mm -hmm. Yes, so that's at 3.35 p.m. Pacific, 6.35 p.m. Eastern. And again, we've got country music star singer Brooke Eden joining us also in the next hour. So I said that this whole show was action-packed, and it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, I thought I said that. Well, you know, we're I like we're like just... one voice at this point. How no, long have we been working not, together? I am my own voice. <laughs> I am my own. No, we are basically Siamese twins. Neither I think that's actually kind of way. problematic to say that because of the, the, the first part of that word. I think it actually is. I think, I think it's based on cats. No, but I think that's also based in like really harmful rhetoric. So probably saying. everything is based on harmful rhetoric. It seems like. Well, that's culture. I really do think it actually is. Well, thank you for mentioning that. We get to look into that. I wish we had some uh, fact Are checkers. Are you really going to look into yeah, that? Yeah, actually, no, I'm going to Google not. it right now. No, you're not. We don't have time because you're wasting it. Yes, let's get into some what's trending this hour. During an appearance on CNN's New Day, actress and environmental activist Jane Fonda said President Biden isn't doing enough to fight climate change. It's nice to be hopeful again, and it's much better to push a moderate than to fight a fascist, right? He, we're very, very grateful for what he's been doing. He's done a lot of very good things, but not enough. Not bold enough and not fast enough. We're up against time. The scientists say we have less than nine years to cut our emissions in half. Line three is going in the absolute opposite direction. And the news every day is telling us emissions are going up, not down. 
Yeah, Line 3 is a pipeline currently operated by uh, a Canadian company. And basically, there's construction happening. She also referenced climate scientists who say fossil fuel emissions have to be cut in half and have actually advised against the development of any new fossil fuel projects. Yet this is happening. And so Biden, she's saying, step it up. And by the way, she always looks fabulous when she talks about this, too. She always brings the fashion to the climate change talk, which I appreciate. She's goals. Just saying, I'm a big fan. Oh, who doesn't love Jane Fonda? Right. Now, the Biden administration said, again, that it will take action against the growing number of states trying to ban trans students from participating in school sports in alignment with their gender. But in a recent interview, Secretary of Education Miguel Cardona wasn't sure exactly what what they're going to do, what the action will be. He told ESPN that he believes educational decisions should be made at the local level, but that the federal government has a, quote, responsibility to protect the civil rights of students. So what does that actually mean? And so uh, many people and advocates are calling the administration out for telling them, you know, to step up. Stop just saying you're going to do something. Like, what do you actually want to do about this? That's what I'm saying. But every time y'all want to praise them for being so inclusive and diverse, but they're still doing the bare minimum. I just don't get it. And finally, more than 2,100 children separated at the border by Trump administration's zero tolerance program have not yet been reunified with their parents. And that's according to the task force working to reunite the families. It's just horrible. In this 22-page progress report submitted to President Joe Biden last week, the task force said that 2,127 children are awaiting their reunion still. And only seven children have rejoined their families since Biden took office in January. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so uh, before I get into the tea report, um, because it's Bachelor related, actually, I was thinking of Siamese, the Siamese Cat song from The Lady and the Tramp. Yep. That, is, that song is super problematic because it's a caricature of what white people think Asian people are. So maybe that's what it is. Yeah, so that's the thing. Um, that's why I say it's problematic to even use that word. You shouldn't use it. Anyway, moving on to the tea report. Um, it's official. Chris Harrison is out of the Bachelor franchise. It's time for the Tea Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. The longtime host of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette confirmed on social media today that he will not be returning. He said, I've had a truly incredible run as host of The Bachelor franchise, and now I'm excited to start a new chapter. Um, he also said, I'm so grateful to Bachelor Nation for all of the memories we've made together while my two-decade journey is wrapping up. The friendships I've made will last a lifetime. Now, Harrison reportedly received an eight-figure settlement. Um, So my thing is, Mm. it's pretty. It was probably pretty worth it for him to leave. Eight figures? That's not bad. I mean, he should just go on vacation for the rest of his life. He probably will. Like, I mean, I'm pretty sure he's probably made so much money doing the Bachelor. Oh yeah, when you have a a show at that level, syndicated, you don't have to like even. And all of, like, yeah, syndicated for sure. Like, all his episodes are still probably replaying somewhere. Uh-huh, unless they decide not to, but no. Yeah. It's too valuable. It's intense. Yeah. But um, I thought that was pretty big news. And before we wrap up out of here with the tea report, I have to tell you about a cute giveaway, not a giveaway, but something amazing that we're doing for Pride Month. Raps and Food for Less are partnering with us, Channel Q, and the Los Angeles LGBT Center to help fill the fridge for homeless LGBT youth and seniors in need. Text 
Fridge, F-R-I-D-G-E, to 20357 to donate to the Los Angeles LGBT Pride Pantry. Donations will be doubled by Ralph's and Food for Less. I mean, honestly, just with a $25 donation to the Los Angeles LGBT Center Pride Pantry, it will provide an entire week's worth of groceries. So help us fill the fridge by texting FRIDGE to 20357. That's F-R-I-D-G-E to 20357 to donate. And all of the donations will be doubled by Ralph's and Food for Less. Amazing. So I did Google, (laughs) is Siamese twin a derogatory term? It's not from the cartoon, the animation that we all know of. No, but I was thinking of Siamese, that word specifically. But conjoined twins are commonly referred to as Siamese twins, although this is now considered a derogatory term. Told you. It originated from the famous conjoined twins who were born in Thailand in 1811. So it was some racist stuff. Yeah. I'm telling you. So just, yeah, don't say that. Now we know. Well, I, I mean, I literally corrected it right after I said it. I you had an instinct knew. without really, yeah, but now we get to we get to understand. It's important. It, is this a white person educating me on racism? Uh, live on air? No. Is this is this an exclusive? Yes. Sure. What else do you know? Tell me more. Do you know more about intersectionality too? Yeah, you've taught me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and and now I'm going to you. Get us out of here. I've got we the exclusive go. with late. Ryan Mitchell here. Um, All right. Coming up. Have you been skipping lunch after this? The case for taking a lunch break next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So many of us skip lunch. You know, you're busy, you can't step away, but you might not want to do that. And we're going to be telling you why and how to add that to your schedule. You know, I skip lunch all the time. I know. When I met you, I never took a lunch. And I was working like a nine to Mm. five. Well, it was like 10 to seven, actually. That was my hours. And I never took lunch. I didn't, I actually don't like lunch breaks. I have to say, I don't like them. Uh, I used to also skip food a lot during the day. Now I keep myself prepared. I'm like a mom. I got my snacks. Well, for me, it wasn't about like the food aspect of it. It was just like, oh my God, if like I'd rather just get through the day and if, you know, I'd rather just get through the day and instead of like taking a break, walking away from my desk, getting sleepy, then coming back mm. and then not wanting to like have that same energy to continue to work in the way that I know I should. Yeah, but it might not be good for you or sustainable. Well, let's, um, let's talk to our expert about yeah, that. Dr. Madison Lee Simons joins us, a psychology postdoctoral fellow in the division of gastroenterology. Wow, that's a big word. But I did it. At Northwestern. And uh, talks. she talks about how nutri- uh, nutrients affect our mental and physical health. Okay, Dr. Uh, Simons, welcome to the show. Thank you guys so much for having me today. Uh, So let's talk about that. I mean, what Ryan shared is uh, pretty much like a lot of people out there. Is it healthy to skip lunch and skip that many hours of not eating? Yeah, Shira, I actually want to ask you first, like, why was it important to you to eat lunch? To eat in general. Uh, oh, she's interviewing us. <laughs> wow. She flipped like, the okay, show on okay, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> Let's do um, it. Well, no, I, I started having um, adrenal and gut issues and okay. started realizing, like, and also I have a low blood sugar. And so I went to a doctor or a holistic doctor who said, like, are you kind of fight or flight um, behavior where I was eating and like rushing through everything um, and mm-hmm. nonstop as a lot of us are and it was impacting my mental and physical health and so um, I started kind of tapping more into eating throughout the day and um, you know I feel like it helps and it's just 
healthy, I guess. That's, wow, you're that was just my... like our guests. You're long-winded. <laughs> so, uh, Dr. Simons, yeah, okay. what is your take on all of that? Yeah, I hear you talking about a couple things there, not only setting up those regular times to eat during the day, but also being mindful while you're eating to slow yes. down your day and pause that um, fight or flight response like you're talking about. And both of those are really critical as we think about um, setting up eating opportunities during the day, whether our aim is to address health concerns that we have or manage our weight. um, Both of those are important. Yeah, because your metabolism slows down the less you eat, oddly enough. Hmm. Right. And what we see for people with GI symptoms is actually they have an increase in symptoms the less often they eat. So people are often skipping meals to try to manage symptoms or even to lose weight. And we see that backfiring, Um, that uh, skipping meals during the day, people tend to eat more in the evening. Um, So loading your calories and your nutrients in the beginning of the day tends to be more effective, both for weight management and overall health. So what are good things to kind of snack on or to eat throughout the day that can continue to give you energy? I would encourage people to emphasize things like protein, uh, healthy fats like avocados, olive oil, or uh, beans and legumes and nuts during the day, uh, as well as your complex carbohydrates like true whole grains, oatmeal, couscous, quinoa, uh, things that are going to keep you full. But what I would encourage you to do is be your own experimenter and scientist, like see how you actually feel when you do add in those meals during the day. See what your body needs in terms of quantity and quality of food. What also helped me is food prep, which I always was Mm -hmm. like, God, I don't want to do that. It's too much work. But just a little preparation on Sunday over the weekend. Um, and then setting up like I made my lentils on Sunday. I'm becoming another. I'm adulting. I made my lentils and then I have a big bowl of lentils that I'll use either on its own or I'll put it in a salad. And then I just in the morning make everything and bring it. And yeah, it makes a huge difference versus, you know, obviously spending more money, um, you know, taking out or ordering or, you know, I don't even have time to go out or order in. Yeah, and I'm not even against, um, there's a lot of really great frozen meals out now that Mm -hmm. for those of you that don't like to food prep, you can still find really nutrient-dense frozen meals, um, you know, right at the grocery store and and take that out as well. Are there any brands that you like of the frozen meals? I like the Healthy Choice Power Bowl, um, if I was going to. I was going to go for something. Uh, Dr. Madison, since you're giving us all the advice, um, because you are a great interviewer here, I I would give you advice because you forgot to ask me a question as well. So (laughs) thank you so much uh, for joining the show today. You were absolutely wonderful, and we appreciate all this knowledge you just dropped. Well, for Shira. This was for Shira, clearly. No, it was for... You're supposed to listen. There's always knowledge for you, Ryan, if you open your ears. (laughs) Thank you, Dr. Madison. Yeah, we appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you guys so much. Again, Dr. Madison Lee Simons is uh, from Northwestern and focuses on mental health and physical health and nutrients. But coming up on the show, he's our favorite gay advice columnist. Ola Poppy joins us to share details about his new book and today's episode is sponsored by Nerd Wallet Smart Money Podcast. Get your head in the financial game with smart investing and budgeting tips straight from the nerds. Nerd Wallet's experts will set future you up for success with dependable fact-based insights. No financial misinformation allowed. Learn how to save on your summer vacation 
education, find your next credit card, or loan for a big purchase, and invest in your next index fund. Make smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. A left 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Or let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. He's an LGBTQ advice columnist and writer and now has a memoir out called Ola Papi, How to Come Out in a Walmart Parking Lot and Other Life Lessons. Please welcome John Paul Brammer, a.k.a. JP, onto the show. Welcome to Let's Go There. Howdy. How's it going? Good. You know, I got my yeah. dog from a Walmart parking lot. <laughs> just a little tidbit information for me i mean i am a fan of yours i i loved reading your column we've even featured your column here we've tried to get mm-hmm. you on the show we're just huge fans of the work that you've been doing how does one well, become an advice columnist like yourself like you're just so good at it well, according to my book completely by accident mm-hmm. uh, it was just sort of something i did when i was a broke freelancer living in brooklyn And I thought, okay, I need to come up with a column idea. I want to write something once a week, but I don't trust myself enough to come up with a new topic. And then I thought, oh, when you run an advice column, the topics come to you. So that's sort of how I started it. It was sort of a joke on the structure of an advice column that I ended up taking a lot more earnestly once the questions actually started coming in. Yeah. And do you feel a sense of responsibility at this point now that it's become something bigger? Oh, absolutely. I mean, anyone who writes me a letter, that's sort of my child. I have to help them as best as I can. And I think, you know, the whole book is sort of about me wrestling with that responsibility. And um, spoiler alert, begins and ends with me choosing not to answer a letter where I thought that I could do more harm than good. So I certainly feel a high degree of responsibility to anyone who writes into me or even anyone who reads me. Yeah, and there has to be kind of like this self-awareness of yourself to be able to kind of help other people who are writing into uh, to get your advice. Talk a, a little bit about your journey, and I know you're gonna your memoir really kind of details that growing up queer and and just trying to figure out who you are as a person. Yeah, so growing up in rural Oklahoma, I really felt a deep need to connect with people who were more like me. Um, But it was hard to find those people because I was sort of isolated. Uh, I wasn't in a big city. I didn't have too many resources growing up. And I think a lot of my career, the advice column included, has sort of been about me trying to make those connections with other people and trying to get my voice out there and seeing who shows up and uh, who I can impact with my words and vice versa. So it really does feel like quite a community effort here, uh, especially given the column's original appearance through Grinders outlet, which is, you know, a gay hookup app. <laughs> so it was kind of pushed through the app at the very beginning, and it reached uh, LGBT people all over the world. So I was getting letters from people in India, people in England, people in Mexico. It was just truly international. And it, it's kind of funny how it works that way. You start out with nothing, and then next thing you know, you're talking to a really big chunk of the world. Yeah. And and why do you think what you do resonates with so many people? Because you're obviously giving a voice to folks who uh, have not felt seen or heard, possibly. 
Yeah, one thing I've been really shocked to find out is that there are a lot of people who don't identify as LGBTQ who read my stuff, and it, it always surprises me. And the way they tell me about it is so cute. They always start out with saying, like, well, I'm not gay, but I really love this, or this really resonated with me. And I think it just really speaks to the fact that even though I'm writing about LGBTQ issues, the heart of the matter is pretty universal. Uh, we're still talking about love. We're talking about loneliness. We're talking about overcoming our inner demons. And that's something that anyone can relate to. So I think as long as you're speaking authentically and truthfully, you're going to find your audience because at the end of the day, the human experience, it, it's different across the board, yes, but there are also ways that we overlap. Yeah. Real quick, you know, you were a part of a list, 42 LGBTQ uh, plus books that will change the literary landscape this spring mm -hmm. on Oprah's website. Hello. How does that <laughs> feel? I mean, are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, I mean, of course, when that was sent to me, I was like, Oprah? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, had, I had the reaction that, you know, any young gay boy would have when told something like that. Because uh, obviously, you grew up watching Oprah, icon, legend. Um, so I... I <laughs> I try not to think too much about stuff like that because I know I'll jinx it if I think about it too much. I, I always think, like, what if she takes me off the list as if she's, like, personally putting these, like, listicles together. So I just try not to, like, contemplate it too much. Yeah, definitely. That. that can create a lot of pressure for yourself, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. And, and what does your family think about all of this, by the way? Oh, yeah. I mean, my family has always been my biggest supporters. Um, and I was really lucky in a way. So even though I grew up in this really rural landscape in Oklahoma, where I'm sure most people think of, you know, a lot of conservatism, a lot of um, extreme uh, religiosity. But I really grew up in an open-minded household. My family is so supporting of me, and they've read the book already. And I was terrified of that, <laughs> honestly. I mean, I'm terrified for most people to read my book. But when your family does it, and when you're talking about you know, some life experiences that I have in the book that are so intimate and so delicate. Uh, I didn't know what the reaction would be, but they really loved it. And that really put my mind at ease. And after that was done, I was like, okay, I feel good about talking about this book to whoever I need to talk to now, now that my family hasn't <laughs> freaked out over it. Wow. That's awesome. And just finally, as we wrap things up, uh, what message do you want people to take away from this book and from your story? Yeah, I thought about that a lot just because, you know, when you're writing a book, obviously, you have some idea of what you hope to impart on someone else when they read it. And the longer um, I've gone on since writing it and the closer I get to it being published, the more confused I am and thinking, wow, I wasn't able to think anymore. I'm not even sure. So I just really hope that when they read my books, no matter who they are, or where they come from, they feel a little more understood and they feel like there's someone else out there who understands what they're going through. Love it. Well, Hola Papi, How to Come Out in a Walmart, Parking Lot, and Other Life Lessons by John Paul Brammer is out now. JP, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Next up, should you keep your vaccine card on you to get into bars or restaurants? The debate over that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So it's still interesting to see how different states are handling vaccines and not just vaccines, proof of vaccines. So in Republican led states like Texas and Florida, governors actually issued executive orders. We've reported about this prohibiting universities and even private businesses from requiring proof of vaccination. But in New York, this is pretty interesting. The state health department released what they're calling the Excelsior Pass. It's like going to Disney, but it's not. Uh, the first and only government-issued vaccine passport that allows New Yorkers to enter proof of vaccination or a recent COVID test. And so, you know, Governor Cuomo said there's no mandatory compliance, but 
you know, it's up to private vendors how they want to handle this. They still have this pass, which is an easy way for you to prove that you've, um, you know, done this. You've gotten the vaccine or the test. And as of June 1st, there's just 1 million people that have gotten this pass while there's uh, more than 9 million fully vaccinated New York state residents. So it doesn't seem to be catching on that much. Uh, But how do you feel about this, Ryan? Would you want uh, something like this, like a a pass like they have in New York? Do you want to be in a venue knowing that people either have a negative test or a vaccine? Yeah. Actually, I wouldn't mind it because guess what? That'll make me feel a lot safer if I know um, that this place is only letting vaccinated people in. To be quite honest, I know... Um, that there are a lot of people who are hesitant. Um, but I think at the end of the day, if we're going to move past this and actually get into a place where we can actually live life again and fully, completely, things have to happen. And we just went through something that was so unexpected and we thought we would never get back to where we are right now. And so I love having my vaccine card. I'm getting it laminated. And if that has to be my my little signal of being like, yeah, hey, I'm good. I'm vaxxed and waxed. Then go about it. I want to know everyone around me is vaxxed and waxed. Totally. Why do we add the wax to it? I don't know. It's fun to say. Okay. Um, You know, it was so interesting. I was talking to someone yesterday and um, they compared it to, this is horrible and totally problematic. Segregation. They were like, oh, it's like vaccine apartheid. And I was like, no. Yeah, because you're separating people and you're you should keep people. some of those stories to yourself because I feel no, like I think it, it's wrong. It's, it really highlights the people who are around you. I happen to have a call with someone I'm who is saying. not in this country talking about this. Who's not a friend. Who's not a friend. Who is he? It was someone. Say his name. Her, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're horrible. But I, I'm mentioning this because. You know, we want to be real on this, and this is like real conversations. And I was like, uh, a vaccine apartheid? That is awful to say. Yeah, I was like, that is not That is awful to say. I cannot believe they said that. So just don't say that, folks. No, it's wrong. It's not even don't say that. It's just like do understand. Like, read something, read a book, for God's sake. Don't compare the plight of different groups of people that have systemic. I hate everyone. Racism. Um, and compare it to this. I can't believe that. I can't believe that. Yeah. Coming up, how the pride flag could get an update soon. We've got those details next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. What's up? Welcome back to Let's Go There. Now coming, so excited to have country singer Brooke Eden joining us, who's going to be at the CMT Awards tonight yes yes y'all know i love um you know nashville i'm from there and it's uh, i always have a little heart a little soft spot for some country music yes. um but i got the opportunity actually to meet brooke eden at the festival that i hosted for stonewall day and uh she is absolutely a wonderful um just artist in person and i can't wait to get to know her more and she's nominated for a cmt award and we're trying to get her to win it we're trying to you know really support her here yeah, love that. And she has a great story also to share about what she's up to. But first, uh, let's get into what's trending this hour. By the way, that interview is in 30 minutes. Staying out with us. Good stuff coming up. Now, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki responded to backlash from AOC and others after VP Kamala Harris told migrants do not come to the U.S. during her speech in Guatemala after meeting with Guatemalan President Alejandro Jamade. 
What the vice president was simply conveying is that there's more work to be done, uh, that we don't have these systems in place yet. It's still a dangerous journey, as we've said many times uh, from here and from many forums before. And uh, we need more time to get the work done to, to ensure that asylum processing is where it should be. Okay. And again, uh, if you missed our conversation with Richard Fowler about this topic, uh, you can go back to our podcast at LGT Show uh, are, is where we're on social. And then let's go there in the Odyssey app. Now there's an update to the pride flag to better include intersex people. The new edition abandons the stripes only theme and inserts a large yellow triangle on the left with a circle inside of it. Intersex Equality Rights UK has shared this. It's on their Instagram. It's uh, the Pride Progress flag while acknowledging the other changes made over the years. So 2017, uh, we incorporated black and brown stripes to include uh, black, brown, and people of color. And then in 2018, the community uh, added trans individuals to the mix, creating the Pride Progress flag. Intersex refers to people who are born with sexual characteristics that doesn't fit societal or medical norms for male or female bodies. And they aren't included or they are included generally in the transgender community. But intersex people can also be a wide range of sexual orientations or gender identities. So as much as 1.7 percent of the world's population is born intersex. And that is roughly the same amount of people that have red hair to give you a sense of that. But now we've got a new flag out there. So, yeah, how exciting. And finally, West Virginia Democratic Senator Joe Manchin met with civil rights leaders today to discuss House Resolution 1, a bill also known as For the People Act, proposed by Democrats to strengthen voting rights across the country. But over the weekend, you know, Manchin's been getting a lot of heat because he wrote in the Charleston Gazette Mail that he would not support it, calling it partisan policymaking. And he (laughs) characterized the meeting with civil rights leaders as very productive, very informative, Mm -hmm. according to CBS News and lots of reporters. But he said that he still hasn't changed the position on the bill. And without his support, unfortunately, H.R. 1 has a very slim chance of becoming law because the bill also lacks the support of Republican senators. So, yeah, he's the uh, wild card here. And it seems like he's not moving. And that was what's trending this hour. So what's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? I was going to try to do that, the little new bumper thing that oh. we have, but it's too complicated. So I'm just going to play Nelly Furtado. Okay, so is it weird that, you know, once you break up with, like, someone that your family still continues to speak to them or even wish them a happy birthday? It's time for the Tea Report, those pop culture stories right uh, trending right now. And that's exactly what Khloe Kardashian did today. She was Kanye West's happy birthday and said that he was her brother for life amid the big divorce happening right now. And she was the first family member to kind of post about it. No one else really did. And then, of course, Kim, she ended up posting a little bit later, just saying something simple like, you know, happy birthday, love you, for like, kind of love you, kind of situation, um, our love you for life. But I, and there was a great conversation kind of happening online about that. Like, once you either break up with someone, you divorce someone, your family should automatically stop talking to your ex. Have you been in that situation? Well, actually, I know, you know, I know your business and I know that you were kind of in that situation. Well, I haven't been married, but yeah. No, but y'all were in a... I think it's complicated than than you think. I think that, of course, in 
It's like if all else goes right, you're, everyone just splits and it's amicable and everyone just does their own thing. However, if you've been with someone for a long time, you have family involved, you have kids involved. Like my um, my dad is friendly with my mom's parents. Well, my, now it's just my grandfather uh, and and her family because he grew up with them. He knew them since he was 18. You know, if yeah. you know someone for a decade of your life or more, you're not going to just be like goodbye, including if those people took you on as almost parents. My thing is, I think it's different than just sending a private text message or call to say happy birthday, but to like post on social in but, front of your millions of followers and being like, oh my God, you're my, my, my brother for life. It feels a little intense. Well, but Kim also posted happy birthday. Yeah, but she should be a, like that's her well, husband currently ju- and like happens. the father of her kids I don't know I would be I would feel a certain way if my siblings were like all, doing all of this and being like you know showing I think you could have done it privately but publicly maybe I mean you know they had a conversation like should I post yeah it's oh, a good sure. thing to post you'll show that we're all at peace with each other we're all good yeah. no drama I know a lot of people online was like no thank you you should keep the conversation going let us know what you think at LGT show, um, slide into our DM- DMs because I really, really want to know. Uh, and that is your T report. Now, coming up, we are talking about how all of you and the companies you work out at can, you know, get back to living life with confidence after vaccine, post COVID. And we have a company that is helping all of us do that. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. You know, there are companies that have launched during the pandemic to literally help other companies be COVID compliant and safe. And it's really interesting to see the innovations that are happening. Right yeah, now. because it's it's one of those things where it's now uh, something that is needed. We need companies to know what how to navigate this space, especially out here in, in, in Hollywood and television and things have to go. The bills, the lights got to stay on. So we need folks like this. So it's really interesting to yes. see. Yes. And one of these companies is Epitome Risk Solutions. And we've got Lisa Wilson, CEO and co-founder joining us. Thanks for being here with us, Lisa. Hey, thank you so much for having me. So do you become like an expert on this overnight? It seems like you built a company out of the (laughs) pandemic and now you're helping like the entertainment industry, film and TV, sports be COVID compliant. How does this all work? Yeah, absolutely. My business partner, Mike Millette, we lovingly refer to him as G.I. Jones. He's a little bit G.I. Joe, a little bit Indiana Jones. He does all the really fun risks, like rappelling into volcanoes and all that on expeditions. Um, and we just saw such a need for the COVID space to get everybody back to work. Like you were saying, that the lights got to stay on, right? So we uh, we pitched in and, and, and jumped in where the need was was there. Yeah, so how does this work in the sense of, okay, so you're giving trainings, are you providing tests? Like, break that down for us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we have COVID officers that show up to set uh, to, you know, obviously, you know, build the relationships to have everyone get the buy in to follow COVID protocols. We also write also write risk assessments for COVID. And we also provide point of care testing, you know, rapid on site COVID testing, um, RT PCR in lab testing and our brand new test, which is a neutralizing antibody test, which measures your body's response to the vaccine through our partnership with GenScript. Yeah, what is what does that even mean? Like neutralizing antibody tests. <laughs> Break it down to us like we in Remember, this is not uh, yeah. uh, a, yeah. a biotech conference. <laughs> so, this is fun. The whole point of the vaccine is, you know, you, you get the injection and your body has a response to it, right? So your body creates all different types of antibodies to fight the virus. 
if it should enter your system. So, but your body kind of creates all different kinds of antibodies, right? It's like, it's like firing darts at a dartboard blindfolded. It's just kind of shooting to hold to something that sticks. Our test only measures the darts that hit the bullseye that actually neutralizes the spike protein on the, on the virus. So it's the only ones that matter. <laughs> yes. right? So yeah. it's, wow. it's letting you know, yeah, how, how protected you are. So how can, I guess, can everyday people, like listeners right now, are they like, okay, well, is this going to help me get an at-home test one day? Like, how does that work? Yeah, so we actually offer an at-home test. If you go to epitomerisk.com, you can order it straight from our website. It gets shipped out to your home. Um, it's just a quick little finger prick. Uh, we try to keep it as painless as possible. And you just ship it right back to our lab, and you have the results within 48 hours. I wow. feel like this is what the Kardashians used to uh, keep the keep their Christmas party going. Like, they were just testing folks, like, <laughs> yeah. at the door. Like, a lot of celebrities to keep parties going, they were, like, you know, testing people yeah. at the door and making sure everything was happening because it's just such a quick turnaround. Well, what's great is you don't even need to really do the nasal swabs. Once you know that you have, you know, a certain level of, you know, inhibition, so if your body's protected to a certain point, um, then all of those rapid tests and the nasal swabs just start to become irrelevant um, if everybody at your party knows that they have the proper response to the vaccine. So interesting. And do you see people still taking tests to the level they were because of the vaccine now? Yeah, you know, um, the studios, you know, we work a lot in, in TV and film and the studios at this point are, are still very reticent to, you know, they're, they're really apprehensive to, mm -hmm. to not have the testing there because, you know, the vaccines are just so new. And let's face it, the vaccine cards are a little bit of cardstock, right? I mean, my, my 12 year old could probably forge it if, if he wanted to. Uh, it's really tough to know if somebody has a real vaccine card or if they truly have been vaccinated. Yeah, I was on set recently and it was the first time I actually got a nasal swab. It felt like my brain was probed. I've never had it. It was only like the swab of the cheek or, but the first time it went on my nose, I was like, oh my goodness, that was like intense. But uh, thank you so much for joining us. You were absolutely mm -hmm. great. And it's really great work what you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. And again, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Definitely. Uh, well, check out all of what Lisa is doing. Lisa Wilson, CEO and co-founder of Epitome Risk Solutions. Have a great night. Thank you. You too. And coming up, special guest, lesbian country singer Brooke Eden joins us after this. She's going to be at the CMT Awards tonight, but she's at Let's Go There first. Ah. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. That's where an agent who is a realtor comes in to navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. 
Okay, so our next guest is, uh, uh, you know, a new fave of mine. As being from Nashville, she really just brings out that Southern energy that I kind of really miss in my life. Nominated for a CMT Award for Best Family Feature. She is honestly perfect because the song Sunroof highlights her real-life fiancé, Hillary, as the love interest. Before we bring in Brooke Eden, let's take a little bit of a listen to Sunroof. Let's go there with Cheer and Ryan. Hi, Queen. How you doing after a long weekend with hanging out with me? Hey, honey. How much fun was this weekend? Oh, my God. If you don't know what we're talking about, Brooke Eden performed at the Out Loud Raising Voices Festival that happened at the L.A. Coliseum. Um, that was your first performance back into the public, right? It was. It was so freaking fun. It was also my first Pride Festival. What? Yes, 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 so yes. cool. Uh, and what, yes, yeah, what yes, was that like for you? You know, to me. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. I mean, I'm kind of more recently out in the public, and just you know, being a part of Pride and just everyone is so loving and supportive and celebratory, and it was honestly just so much love going around. It was such a great event to be a part of. And now uh, CMT Awards are tonight. You have a big, or tomorrow night. I'm losing track of time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but congrats. What day is it? <laughs> right. Seriously, though. <laughs> you are uh, nominated for Best Family Feature. You don't even have a, a big family yet, but you do have a small family, a growing family. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's the first time that a queer couple has been nominated for you know been nominated for anything really but um featuring hillary my fiance and my music video was kind of you know i didn't know how it would be received so to be nominated for a video award is is so cool and it just shows the progression that's happening in country music yeah because you took a, a bit of a break before kind of coming back into music for a while what really went into that and it, it felt like you were able to kind of have a, a realigning with yourself and and just come out with all of this confidence and say you know what accept me how i am if you don't accept me guess what somebody will is that kind of what you were thinking when you relaunched back into the music space Oh, totally. I mean, before Hillary and I have been together for five and a half years, and at the beginning of our relationship, we were told by music execs that if I wanted to keep my career in country music, we needed to keep our relationship a secret. And that really, you know, it it took a toll on me and it took a toll on my body. And I ended up getting ulcers um, that I 
made me get have to get off the road. My doctor literally told me, like, this is a life and death situation. You need to go home and take care of yourself. And that was a huge wake-up call for me, you know, realizing that it wasn't just taking a toll on my mental health, but being in the closet was taking a toll on my physical health as well. And so I, you know, took a few years off to really heal my body and also get back into writing rooms and really talk about the things that I wanted to talk about and create the music that I really wanted to create. And this time when I went to, you know, put out new music, I went to my record label and was like, y'all listen, I either need to put this music out and be completely 100% authentic or not put out music because I can't be one and not the other. And luckily my label was very supportive and had my back and they were like, let's go. So yes, this time around, uh, we did it on, on my terms. Good. I mean, that's so inspiring for so many people. Do you think the country scene is changing then? Is it more inclusive? Very much so, yes. I mean, one of my best friends in this town is Mickey Guyton, who had a Grammy-nominated song, Black Like Me. She's a black country artist and for the long, longest time couldn't get arrested. I mean, and she has a voice like no other. And now she's put out music that's her truth. And she is now Grammy nominated. And even though they're still not playing her music on country radio, she mm-hmm. is a icon in Nashville right now and in country music. So I do see it progressing um, very quickly. The love and support that we've received as an LGBTQ couple has, you know, been overwhelmingly good. But, um, but you know, there's still a long way to go. We're, we're just getting there. I think 2020 was a, a really big year for people to, you know, uh, a, lot of, a lot of injustices came to the surface last year. Yeah. And there was kind of nowhere to hide anymore. And so I do think that 2020 was a, a big awakening for everyone and just an awakening that we only have this one life to live and we all need to live that equally and have the same opportunities that any white male has. No, it's so true. Uh-huh. And Brooke Eden, when I met you, I could just tell your soul was so pure and so lovely and so excited for you. I need all of everyone listening around the country to make sure to vote for you, right? For the, the CMT Best Family Feature. How, tell everyone how they can get involved in helping you get this award. You know what? They just took the voting down <gasps> off of CMT, so Dang. don't worry Dang. about it. But it's yeah, okay. It's, um, but they can still win. Here's honestly, the thing: they can still support by buying your music and supporting yeah, and listen, streaming. Are yeah. you kidding me? One hundred percent. That's what it's all about. That is what it's all about. So stream, stream, stream. Bye, bye, bye. Yes. <laughs> You're perfect. Thank you so much, Brooke Eden, for joining. Let's go there. We really, really appreciate you, and I am excited for you to continue to slay the scene because you were a fabulous performance oh. uh, this weekend. Seriously, thank so good. you. Thank you so much, Ryan. It was so good to meet you. Thank you for having having me, y'all. Yeah, it's so great to have you. you I see how like, she says, y'all. I know. I'm, I'm picking that up, thing. and I'm Canadian. It's weird. <laughs> Oh my goodness. It happens. It's contagious. It is contagious. It's perfect. Thank you so much, Brooke. Uh, Stick around. We're going to, you know, wrap this up, but we really, really appreciate you. We got more show coming up next, okay? Don't go anywhere. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We've got a new fashion trend to talk about, and it involves Crocs. So, Crocs, I guess, were the big shoe of COVID. I feel like they've been the big shoe of 
just uh, comfy people of the past decade or so. Two decades, maybe. I don't think Crocs are good shoes. I, you know, Crocs are Do you hideous. wear them? They're ugly. Just because they're ugly doesn't mean they're practical. Not practical. You're right. Just because they're ugly doesn't mean they're practical. But there's something in the ugly that almost makes them cute. No, there's nothing in the ugly. I, I just don't get it. Like, there's this, like, new obsession you, you, you had recently, Nicki Minaj on the celebrity side. She wore Crocs and they sewed out in, uh, in like, minutes because she wore a pair of Crocs. I mean, y'all, if you are not, you know, of a certain age... Who needs them? Why are we buying them? Well, oh, chefs wear them. People in different service industries, nurses, doctors. But now, yeah, like, they're, or, like you know, I guess. Well, now they're making their but way. Don't wear them as a fashion trend. Well, now they're making their way to the runway. Uh, spring 2022 Balenciaga clones collection showed a new version of the Crocs involving a narrow heel. Yep, I'm talking about stiletto Crocs. And so uh, they posted about these, and now it's everywhere, and people are freaking out, saying just, no, God has abandoned us, wrote one person on Twitter. Kill it with fire, pleaded another. No price has been announced for the shoe yet, uh, but it seems like uh, Balenciaga had launched a a platform clog that was $850. So people are thinking, well, this stiletto croc is going to be like, you know, $500 or so. It seems like you like them. I'm looking at the picture. I'm all into comfortable shoes. Listen, I went to see you at that Out Loud Festival. It was the first time I was wearing heels in a long time. Not comfortable. And now I have blisters. So, you know what? Maybe I will opt for a croc, a heel croc. Or maybe you should just stay inside. Because <laughs> it's, it's like... <laughs> or maybe I should wear flip-flops. You know what? It, what I realized you know, in dressing flip-flops. up... Oh, my God. What I... You know... I no, like Havanas, uh, whatever they call them. What? Havanas. Havanas. Yeah, those those are great flip-flops. I've never heard of those flip-flops. What I realized in, in actually bumping into someone in the bathroom at your festival mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, is that uh, she was wearing some sneakers and a sweatshirt, and I was very jealous. You had to keep it casual, you know? I know. I tried to dress up. It didn't really work. But what do you think about this new trend? Uh Croc stilettos at LGT shows where you can find us on social media. Is this the next big thing? Is this here to stay? I guess uh, it's not slave for you. It's go away, Ryan, as you would say. Mm-hmm. All the way. Yep. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We are wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes Queen. Now, after quitting his old job over allegations of homophobia, Jalen McKee Rodriguez just did something that is a first historic. He defeated his former boss to win a city council seat in San Antonio, Texas. And if that isn't good enough, it also makes him the first openly gay black person ever to be elected to public office in Texas. How about that? Wow. Yeah. It's huge. That's actually incredible. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's uh, 25 years old. (laughs) I swear, I am so impressed by young people these days it blows my mind and he celebrated winning on instagram saying we did it thank you to my wonderful and supportive husband and family the amazing team that had my back every step of the way every friend who supported me and every voter who placed their trust in me thank you so much so check out jalen mckee rodriguez a rising star in politics and that does it for our yes queen of the day yes queen and also our show if you want to nominate everyone 
anyone for our Yaz Queen of the Day or just recommend a story for us to cover on the show, hit us up on social media, slide into our DMs at LGT Show. Now coming up on tomorrow's show, we're going to be talking about how lockdowns versus looser regulations impact uh, the economies of different states. Plus, uh, it's also Mercury retrograde. One does it actually happen? How does it work? How to have a drama-free one? That is tomorrow, along with many other stories, including what's trending this hour, every hour here on the show. We are live here for you weekdays on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. If you miss any of our shows, we post everything as a podcast. So just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go there and subscribe. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. And stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris, where he's covering dealing with family bullies. That's next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.